Well, it's great to see you all, whether you're here or at home, and uh, it's great to, to have you with us. Um, my prayer is that this will do you all good, so um, I, I hope that God uh, speaks through my words, otherwise that's not going to happen. So, this is our last week in our season of prayer. So we've been working through the Lord's Prayer for the last five weeks, uh, and it's my privilege to end that, uh, that series. We still have another week of prayer ahead of us, so please do keep praying. Please do keep uh, just thinking on God uh, during your week. Spend time with him. Hopefully that's something that's happened over this time period. Hopefully you've... Uh, had a refocus, and hopefully it's, it's kind of made you think about prayer a little bit more and think about who we're praying to a bit more and what he's done for us. Um, remember, this wasn't about trying to achieve anything, actually, beyond uh, lifting our eyes to our maker, lifting our eyes to him and to all that he's done for us, and reflecting that in our own personal time and our time together as we come before him and worship him and talk to him. And, uh, and encounter him. So let's look again at the, the passage, shall we? So if you turn to Matthew 6, um, I'm actually going to kind of stay roughly in here. I will bounce around to a few other verses, but most of the time I'll be here, so feel free to turn there in your Bibles and, and stay with me. Um, so, Matthew 6, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this final verse is the verse uh, I'm going to focus on today. Um, Actually, to do that, I'm going to draw on all of the other verses. So, uh, as I say, I'm going to stay in there. But before I do that, I just wanted to share a few uh, uh, truths and a few things that I don't want to go into because I think they'll be distracting if I do. I just want to make sure that I'm talking out of a foundation that we're all on on the same level with, okay? Because I think if I don't mention some of these things, they may cause you a distraction as well. So, I, I want to just blast through a few bits I'm not going to linger uh, on them at all. But let's get ourselves to the same place because, um, as I say, we don't want to be distracted. We want to hear what God's got for us today, yeah? So, firstly, when we're thinking about God not leading us into temptation, it's important to note that God doesn't do the tempting, okay? And in James, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So let's just set that as the first thing that we think of here, okay? Um, I don't want to linger on it. I think that the verse from James makes that clear enough, right? Uh, Secondly, God does, though, allow us to be tempted, and there's a difference, right? So uh, think of um, Job or Jesus himself being tempted. It says uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit, God, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, so we, uh, God doesn't send the temptation, but he does allow us to be tempted. Thirdly, 
and I'm whistling. Okay, we're covering loads. This could be a whole sermon in itself, right? Uh, Temptation itself is not a sin. Okay? Jesus was tempted, right? Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. This is talking about Jesus. Yet without sin. So you can clearly be tempted without sinning. There's a difference, right? Again, I'm not going to linger. Fourth, we will all be tempted. John Piper says this, Today, I will stand before innumerable temptations. That's what life is. Endless choices between belief and unbelief, obedience and disobedience. But almighty God, forbid that I would yield. Hold me back from stepping inside the temptation. So we will be tempted Okay, that temptation itself isn't a sin. And actually, fifthly, we will all, and we will continue to, fail to resist that temptation in our lives. In Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. These are realities, okay? These, these are, I, I'm not going to, I want these to underline everything that we're, going to talk about today I'm going to talk about and the last thing the most significant because of Jesus's death on the cross God doesn't count that sin that failure to resist temptation against any Christian I mean that's good right it says as far as the east is from the west so far does he remove our transgressions, our sins from us, as far as the east is from the west. It's like they, they can't ever join, right? They're never together. It is, it, they, they are thrown from us. That's the reality for Christians, right? Okay, so these things are what we're coming uh, to this passage knowing, right? Uh, the reason I wanted to underline that and make sure that we understood all of that is that I'm going to be talking about resisting temptation, and I don't want us to get any funny ideas about where that temptation's come from. Uh, uh, Actually, I'm not even going to linger on where it comes from at all, okay? It's just the the fact is we are going to come under it from all sorts of different places. Uh, But actually, our our primary task today is to to work out how can we we resist temptation, right? How how can we not be led into it? As John Piper said, hold me back from stepping inside the temptation. How can we avoid it? But in the full knowledge that when I'm talking about that, I'm not in any way saying when you fail, when you stumble, somehow you are outside of God's love now. Somehow you are heading to a different uh, eternity than the one that you were before you sinned. Okay? That's, That's not where we're at. That's not what this is about. God has taken our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. So God doesn't do the tempting. God allows us to be tempted. That temptation isn't a sin. It will come. We will fail to resist it at times. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, God doesn't count that sin against any Christian. So, let's come back to the prayer, shall we? To the Lord's Prayer. So, given what I've just said, this last 
verse, lead us not into temptation, that in particular. It cannot mean, don't let us be tempted ever. Okay? To, to, to pray that, Jesus would be teaching us to pray something pretty futile, right? Because we are going to be tempted. And I don't believe Jesus would have told us to do that. And I think given the weight of Scripture, given, given everything else that we've looked at, actually, in the, in the passage up to here, it's clear this is, this is talking about, God, would you help us to resist? Would you help us to stand up and, and not cave into the temptation that we feel every day? And I was thinking through various ways that we could tackle this. And there were some bits that I was desperate to get into and, and thought, you know what, actually, God, I, I just am convinced God wants us to stick in the Lord's Prayer. God wants us to, to look at, you know, we, we could cover tons of different ways that you can resist temptation and, and different tools that we could use. But actually, I feel like this whole season of prayer has been building to this to this message. And so I want us to look at how does prayer and praying through the Lord's Prayer in, in the ways that we've learned about over the last month, how does that help us when temptation comes? And so to do that, I'm, uh, I'm going to recap. And I think um, in hindsight, this is why God made it clear that we needed to recap each of the previous weeks as we went. Because I think he wants this prayer to be bouncing in our heads. He wants it to be so prominent in our thoughts that it affects us. It affects the way that we live. It affects the way that we interact with God. We haven't got the banners up. I wanted the banners up, but never mind. You know, we've got this banner, and it, it talks about knowing God, going with God, growing with God, and going with God. All for the glory of God. Now, I've got that wrong. I know I have, but I should have written it down. I trusted there'd be a banner. Never mind. But knowing, growing, going. That's what this has been about. Let's meet our God and our Saviour. Let's grow like him, like Jesus. Let's go with him and let's glorify him. So, how does that work with resisting temptation? How does that help us? Let's start right at the beginning. Our Father. Now, even that word, our, is helpful here. Because I don't know about you, but often when temptation comes, it's to think about me more. It's about making me the, the centre of things. And, and it, right at the outset... Jesus is going, we are part of a community, we're part of a family. Think of, think of things outside of yourself. It's our Father. And actually, even then, that Father, as we come to God, we approach someone who loves us, who cares for us. But what's that got to do with resisting temptation? Well, it reminds us that when we come to him, we come to the one who's written about that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. It's promises like this that mean we, when we come to God, 
in the knowledge that we have failed to resist temptation already today, no matter what time we've, we've come to God, we've failed to resist temptation in some way, I'm sure. We, we can come to him in the full knowledge and the full assurance that he loves us, that his mercy is fresh for us. That actually our past sin receives mercy and forgiveness and no longer needs to affect what we do going forwards. We'll pick up on that a bit in a, as we hit some of the other verses. We're coming before one that loves us so much. Someone that we say, hallowed be your name, that we, that we praise. This reminds us how great and amazing and different from us God is. And in fact, as we come before him, as, as, we, as we see him for who he is, we realize just how sinful we are. How far short we fall. When we covered this one, I talked about Isaiah as he, as he saw God and he said, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. As we, be, as we come before our hallowed King, we realize what actual sinlessness looks like and how far from it we are. In fact, when we do that, we start to realize that we do need to resist temptation. That's it. The other aspect of that is, is, is what comes next, right? So, so as we see God, we realize how great he is, how amazing he is. It's only at that point that we can then move on and say, your kingdom come. If we don't see God for who he is, there's no way we can pray that prayer. If we don't see him as that great, amazing ruler of the universe, why would we want him to rule anything? Owen took us through the, the, the passage in 1 Chronicles. And it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. You can't say things like that unless it's to somebody who's worthy of it, right? You wouldn't say that to me, no matter what title I gave myself, right? But God... God, when we see him, we can't help but go, like, it's over to you, God. You know what you're doing better than I do. It's your kingdom, your rule. That's what his kingdom coming is, right? That, that, that sense of people saying, we submit to your rule, God. That's the choice we have. This, this, so remember, this is about temptation, actually, the, today's message. 
It's not the only thing these verses are about, but today that's what I feel like God is pulling from it. You can either submit to God's authority, that is to stand up in temptation, or to give in to temptation and not submit to God's authority. There isn't a halfway house. Either you, you want God to be king or you don't. Either you want to submit or you don't. Which leads nicely onto your will be done. If we acknowledge he's in charge, then we desire his will to be done, right? But his will is for us to resist temptation. So how do we do that? <laughs> how, do we, how do we do that? Well, we have to look at what living a life that resists temptation looks like. Um, and thankfully, we have an example of it in Jesus. You know, I already shared, he's the, the high priest. He's been tempted in every way, yet without sin. So let's see what lessons uh, we can pull out from him. You know, he's the only person to have fully resisted temptation, right? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've heard that, I've thought, surely it was easier for him. He's God, right? <laughs> like, surely it was easier for God to resist temptation. But do you know what? When you look at it, you realize Jesus is the only person that has ever experienced what temptation to the full feels like. When we give in to temptation, we don't know what it's going to feel like when it gets bigger, right? Because <laughs> we caved early on. It's quite a, a complex thought process. Let me let me immediately tap out and get someone who knows what they're talking about more. Let's get C.S. Lewis on this. Shall we? This is what he says. He says, you find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives into temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That's why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. So this man that has experienced temptation to the full and yet not caved, what is it that, that, that we want to learn from him out of the Lord's Prayer? What is it that we want to, we want to gather from him? Well, firstly, prayer. He's the one that taught us to do it. Okay? He's the one that told us about the Lord's Prayer. So, you know, that's, that's why we've done a series on it. Actually, when we look at Jesus, do we think that the way he lived is the way we would have thought that he should live? 
It certainly wasn't the way that the people at the time thought he should live, right? They thought a Messiah, a, a ruler would come and kick the Romans out and, and, and make a, a new Jerusalem and bring in God's, God's presence again in a way that they hadn't seen since David's times. You know, this was... This is different, right? He lived this humble life. But where did it start? And the next verse gives us a clue. Where did it start? It started with Jesus praying daily. Give us this day, our daily bread. You know, he, he, he came before God, his Father, daily. Now, I, I, I want to just linger there because I think it's important. I think this is something God really wants every person here to hear. Something about the frequency of coming before God, the priority of prayer. Now, I, I don't know about you, but my life is busy at times, right? I've got four kids. I've got an important job. I've got uh, people after me from, from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed some days. Jesus, though, had thousands at times crowding after him, asking for his time. And what did he do? The first thing he did was he goes and prays, spends time with his father, and then responds to the need. How often do we get that the wrong way around? The last thing we manage to do in a day is pray as we close our eyes and put our head on the pillow, maybe. Now, don't mishear me, okay? I started this whole series off saying it's not about how long we pray. And I mean that. It's not about how long we pray. You know, some days you may only get a minute. But there's got to be something about the frequency with which Jesus prayed that, that sits with us. The priority with which he gave it, gave prayer, that, that needs to sit with us. Not to tick some box, not to have achieved something today, not to have earned some love from God in any way. But because it's only by prayer, it's only by coming before God and acknowledging who he is and asking for his lead and his input and his, his will to be done in our lives that we get to know him more, that we start to, to outwork his plan for us. bring this back to temptation there because I'm talking about the only man in history who resisted temptation and the fact that he prioritized prayer he prioritized spending time with his father he set the example and I think that God's saying spend time with me I think it says that father saying, I just want to spend time with you. I want you to encounter me, to receive of my goodness. The next verse is slightly easier to see how it leads to resisting temptation When we pray, forgive us our debts. We acknowledge that 
that we mess up, right? We acknowledge that we don't always resist. We don't always stand up. We lie down in the wind, as C.S. Lewis described it. But when we turn to God and find forgiveness, it's that forgiveness that sets us free, isn't it? Like, when you don't ask for forgiveness, when you don't bring it before God, that's when we live with the shame, with the guilt, with this sense of inadequacy. And I don't know about you, but, but when I feel those things, I also feel an inability to resist more temptation. <laughs> Right? It's like, it's like when, you, when you know that you're doing something wrong, it's, it's like it's even harder to stop until you bring it before God. Until you get it, as, as Owen talked about last week, into the light. Until you take your sins from, from the darkness where they thrive and bring them into God's light. And this is acknowledging something as we pray this, as we, as we pray, forgive us our debts. We're acknowledging that Jesus has paid our debt off in full. Actually, this, this is repentance, right? This is, this is what it's just talking about. This is about coming before God. Not just going, I'm sorry, but trying to turn away, trying to go, God, would you forgive us our sins? That's why the next, the next verse is about leading us not into temptation. Forgive us our sins. Let this be the end of them. It's not, it's not that we think our sins are, are going to stop us from achieving the, the eternal salvation that we, that we walk into. But it is something that we want to see stop on earth. We want to see God's will be done in our lives. And we know that sin is not part of that. And even in that turning, you start to find that turning from giving in to temptation, turning to Christ, turning to God and saying, would you help me in this? Even in that turning, the temptation itself becomes so much less alluring, doesn't it? Now, I don't, I, I, I don't want to get too um, theoretical with this stuff. Right? This, isn't, this isn't just about some concepts of God. This is about real life, yeah? This is, this is about our daily walks. And so I, I just feel like it's right for me to share my last couple of weeks, okay? Now, this is, this is um, fresh, and I feel like actually um, this, to hear where I've stumbled, to hear where I've failed, to hear how I've been able to respond to that, I, I hope it, it helps to cement some of this, right? So I'm not sharing this so that you'll go, oh, James. I, I, I want you to hear that, that there was shame, there was uh, upset for, for 
what I knew I was doing wrong. And so I just want to bring that out. Okay, This isn't some kind of public confession thing. I hope this is helpful for you, right? But, but this, this just, as, as, I, as I reflected on it, I felt this, this helps put what I'm saying into, into reality. And so some of you know that I, um, I tested positive for COVID a couple of weeks ago. So just over two weeks, I'm, I'm negative now, just in case you're scared. I'm not going to cough on anyone. But um, I, it, it ended up being nine days of isolation. And for various reasons, we as a family decided that I would isolate from, from everybody else. And uh, I... Um, I responded to that fairly well, you know, being a, a very mature and holy man as I am. I thought, this, this is actually good, right? Suddenly, I've got some time. Like, I'm going to be able to read my Bible. I'm going to be able to catch up on some, some reading and some study that I've been, like, wanting to catch up on. I'm going to have time to pray. Like, you know, my, my uh, daily writing, uh, Bible reading is going to be transformed over this isolation period. That was my genuine desire at the beginning. And that desire, I mean, it lasted almost no time at all. Okay? Now... As I, as I came out of there, being this holy, mature man that I am, I, I did pray, I did read, and just after a few days, that became nothing more than grumpiness. That's what, that's what all my maturity and all of my, my uh, holiness led to. Just grumpiness. Grumpy that I couldn't get out of the house. I couldn't see people. I couldn't, couldn't be with all of my family. Now, I was with Joseph for a bit of it. He had COVID. We kind of overlapped for the first bit. That was great. And then he disappeared as he tested negative. Praise God, he tested negative and I was on my own. But actually, do you know what? All of that motivation, all of that desire to read my Bible, to spend time with my father that, that I was so looking forward to, by the end of that week, had become non-existent. In fact, I was, I, I was struggling to motivate myself to do anything. I was struggling to motivate myself, well, I say to do anything other than turn on the telly or play on a computer game. That's the reality. That's where I was at, okay? Which is quite a stark contrast from where I would normally be. It's quite a stark contrast from where I wanted to be. And I put it down. I can, I can put it down to an exact moment that caused it. A moment where one of those mornings, I knew God was saying, just come and spend some time with me. And in my great maturity, my great desire to please him, I went, you've made me be here on my own. I'm just going to go and watch some telly, actually. Thanks, God. Nothing more than immature petulance. Right? That's all it was. So instead of praying, I turned the telly on. Now, got to Sunday last week. That's where I was at. 
I was struggling. Now, Owen's preach could have been like just to me last week, right? Like, that's where I was at. Now, Owen talked about confessing your sin and, and sharing it, and, and I did. I shared it, half shared it, with some guys on that evening. They prayed for me over a video call because I still couldn't go out. In reality, I felt the same. Nothing changed. Then came Monday morning. I had a decision point again, right? I could either turn on that telly or pray. Monday morning, I got on my knees. I just prayed a prayer like this. I prayed, God, you are the king. And I want to live for you. I want you to, to rule. I want you to, to lead me. I want, you, I want to know you more. I want to be part of, of what you're calling me to. I prayed for forgiveness. I asked God for, for cleansing. I asked God to heal me. And, and do you know what happened? I had an overwhelming urge to turn in my Bible. I turn to Romans 8, and some of you know that passage, and it talks about, about uh, living by the Spirit or by the flesh. It talks about, about uh, a choice of, of what we do, but actually it's, it talks about an assurance that we are saved. It talks about us being more than conquerors. Do you know what I came out of that prayer time thinking? Thinking, God, I praise you that if you had returned last week while I was in my darkest moments, while my thoughts had got dark, while I'd become this, this uh, man that just wanted to watch the telly and had gone from being grumpy that I couldn't go out and see people to being a man that was grumpy when anybody interrupted my time with the telly, that if you'd have come back then, you'd have taken me home for eternity. If you'd have come back at that moment while I was praying, the, the, the result would have been the same, right? Because it's not based on me. I couldn't have prayed a prayer like that unless I was convinced of God being God. And yes, I was an idiot, bluntly. I was immature and I was petulant and I refused to spend time with him even though I knew it would do me good. And yet, he turned to me and his answer to me as I went to him was, I love you. I love you. He sent a man to preach a message that I needed to hear. And he called me to himself. Now I hope you hear that testimony for what it is. I hope that, I, I imagine parts of that are relatable to all of you. I hope so. <laughs> like, I hope I'm not the only one that's that, uh, that immature. Well, actually, I hope I am the only one that's that immature, but I guess the realist in me thinks I'm probably not. Um, there's times. And it'll be different things for you. 
you know, I'm not saying that watching the telly and playing computer games is bad, right? It's fine, but you, you can all hear my heart in, in, in where I'd got to, right? That's what the problem was. But I, I, I thought, actually, God, I've got to share this. It demonstrates how getting on my knees turned the whole thing around. Yeah, my thoughts by the end of last week were dark. You know, temptation was everywhere. I prayed, and it was like that previous week hadn't happened. My, literally, my thoughts changed. As I, as I lined up with what God wants, I found temptation just was different to resist, right? It wasn't so alluring, as I said. And so hopefully you see, as, as we come to this, this last verse, hopefully you can see how the line of this prayer can only be prayed out the back of the other lines. It's only as we come saying, you are God, you are amazing, you are greater than us, your kingdom come, your will, not ours, be done. Sorry, I skipped a whole part about daily bread. No, I didn't. Praying daily. Seeing that, that, that actually we need him every day. It's only as we say, God, I mess up again and again. Would you forgive me? That we can come and say, and now would you lead us not into temptation? Would you help us to stand up? And so although I'm supposed to have been preaching on that whole verse, I wanted to show how the whole prayer leads to it. It leads us to say, and we want to keep going with you, God. Help us not to bow down in the face of it. And the last part, I can't think of a better way for Jesus to end this. Now, it might sound, deliver us from evil. It might sound like we're begging God. Please, please, don't, don't let us go into evil. But it isn't. It's praying this, this prayer that's, that, that has an assurance that we will be delivered from evil. And just like the postman with the parcel might see the sender's address, that's not the address he cares about. And so the address he cares about is where it's being delivered to, right? And so I just want us to look at this. We're being delivered from evil, sure, fine. Let's not linger on that for long. Let's not, let's not think too much about what evil Let's look at our delivery address that we're going to for a moment. We are being delivered out of pain and sickness and, and sin and bad things happening. We are being delivered from them to the very definition of goodness himself. Right? That's where we're going. 
despite all of my immaturity, despite all of my ridiculous behaviour, that's where I'm heading. John, as he, as he sees his vision of heaven, as he declares where we're heading to, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is God, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. I started this whole series looking at how amazing our God is. And and you see, we've gone full circle back to, we're going to be delivered to that amazing God. Jesus is going to return one day. If you are a Christian, this is true for your life. Jesus is going to return one day and you will be delivered to your creator God where there will be no more tears or sadness or pain ever again. That is where we're heading to. That is where we end our prayer. That is where we say, God, I thank you that no matter what goes on, the end is written. The end is something I can be sure of. So yeah, we're going to be delivered from evil. We're going to be delivered to something so great. So incredible. Everything else will pale into insignificance. I want to pray for us. I want to...